Hello and welcome to the Synergen Leadership Podcast. My name is Julian Carl, CEO and co-founder of Synergen Group and once again really happy to bring you another episode of the podcast. Look, in today's show, I speak with Michelle Sales, who is the author of The Power of Real Confidence, Learn How to Lead to Your Full Potential. And there's another great interview with uh, another author who has really taken the time to delve into something which is critical to leadership success, which is this, this idea of confidence and how can we develop and build our confidence. And I think one of the great takeaways from this book and this interview is that Michelle is very giving in terms of providing you with some simple frameworks and some simple ideas which you can take back to the workplace to really start to build your leadership presence and really start to develop your confidence in leadership. So I hope you enjoyed this interview as much as I enjoyed making it. Once again, we'd love to hear what you think and happy listening. Welcome to the Synergen Leadership Podcast with Julian Carl. Julian speaks with leaders from around Australia to bring you their leadership story and share their insights about being a leader. To further help you build your leadership capability, Julian shares his own insights about leadership and the tools and techniques he uses as a leader. So uh, welcome to the Synergen Leadership Podcast, Michelle. Really happy to have you on the show so that everyone has a bit of an idea about uh, you. Who is Michelle Sales? Well, very good question to start, and thanks for having me. Uh, Born and bred in Queensland, so I always think of myself as a Queenslander, although I've been in Melbourne for 18 years, and the Queenslander in me, I think, means that I'm pretty relaxed, easygoing, love the sand under my feet, love a weekend at the beach, I love my family and friends, and uh, from a professional perspective, I'm obsessed about great leadership. So I started my leadership business about seven years ago after a long time, 26 years in corporate and financial services. So I've had lots of experiences of good and not so good leadership in my own career and, uh, and started this business just purely out of passion. And why did you decide to write uh, the book we're speaking about today, The Power of Real Confidence, Learn How to Lead to Your Full Potential? It's a very good question because I don't love writing. I was never good at English at school. It just hasn't been my passion. And I know lots of my colleagues have this thought that they have uh, on their bucket list to write a book, but I never had that. But I've got lots of prodding from mostly clients saying, you should write a book, this is great stuff. I would love to have this on my bedside table so that I can um, come in and out of this work on an ongoing basis. So I was getting lots of encouragement from people around me and I thought, what's the worst that can happen? I'll give it a go. Uh, And so really it was the the actual book uh, that's about leadership and about confidence how I got to that point of writing that book was as a result of actually then saying to my clients, what value do you get from me? If I was to put pen to paper and write a book, then what is it that you want to hear about? What is it that you buy me for? And overwhelmingly, the response came back that it was about confidence for leaders. Great. Well, there's a little excerpt that I'd like to read because there's always bits which resonate with me. Without confidence, you can't exercise leadership with real impact and have teams and stakeholders who believe in you and want to follow you. 
If you set your bar too low, you fail to maximize your potential and the potential of your team, your business, your organization. The reason that stood out for me was this idea about setting the bar too low. So talk to me a little bit about setting the bar too low. I've got a story actually that really I think I was as I was writing the book, I was working with a client and he was in a um, really senior role in in financial services reporting to a CEO and I spent two days with him and his team as they were working out their strategy for the next 12 months, how the team worked most effectively together, how they were going to build high performance. And we were setting the vision and the purpose for the team. And I remember we were debating the essence of the vision and the role that that team and division played in the organisation, the impact they were going to have on the strategy. And they were tiptoeing around the value that they could add. And when it came right down to it and we paired it back to what was going on for them, it was about confidence. So they were actually setting the bar low for themselves as leaders, but for, in fact, their whole division, that part of the organisation and the value that potentially they could add because they were great at what they did. So they had all the competence in the world. They could do the work, but confidence was holding them back. And, and in, you do talk a bit uh, deeper about this idea of competence versus confidence. So what, what are you finding is, is, is the basis of that? Why did you decide to include that in the book? Yeah, so for me, it's a balance. I think having the competence, having the ability to do the work and get the job done is like the ticket to the game. And confidence, though, is the element that helps you to reach your potential in terms of leadership. Um, very often, you know, leaders have the heads down, bum up, doing the work, managing the work. But the work of leadership and exercising leadership takes a takes a good degree of confidence. And I'm not talking about overconfidence. I'm not talking about that bravado that we often see when it's overdone. Uh, I really think the right balance between confidence and competence is really important. In the research that I did for the book, I came across a number of perspectives that were very much about confidence trumping competence, so it being more important. But for me, I, I love the, the balance of confidence and competence, so getting that in the right balance. And that, in the title of my book, The Power of Real Confidence, the real is that authentic, genuine confidence that's built from the inside out in a really sustainable way. I'm personally fascinated by models, leadership frameworks, any anything to do with that, and especially when it's done in a, in a visual sense. And and in the book, you introduce the, the readers to this idea of the scale leadership confidence model. Are you able to walk them through what the scale leadership confidence model is? Yes. So very often when we are first starting out in a leadership role, it's all around um, building um, confidence. And, we, you know, we're starting out and the scale model talks about confidence and the confidence that we build and how that contributes to the potential that we ultimately reach in our roles. Um, so starting out, generally our confidence could be quite low. Um, so anything, you know, if I in the scale model I use up to 20% in terms of, of confidence. We then, as we get into the role, start to really focus on building our confidence and capability. So what are the technical elements 
that we need to be building in ourselves to be able to do the job. In leadership roles, it's about actually doing the work. So what do I need to, what knowledge do I need to build? And as you build knowledge, you start to build confidence along with that. Often that that I find with leaders, knowledge and confidence um, go hand in hand, whether that's right or wrong, it, it's, uh, it's certainly an aspect of it. Uh, from there, leaders then start to accelerate the performance and impact. So as they're starting to see the impact they're having as they exercise leadership, as the knowledge has been built, um, the confidence starts to breed some confidence in them. And so um, they're at a point that they're really starting to step into that and by then they're leading with confidence. I always think then as leaders, it's not just about the starting point is about having confidence in ourselves and the, the inner sense of confidence, but it's about cultivating confidence in others. So taking teams from teams that believe in you, want to follow you as leaders to teams that are confident in themselves and can lift their own bar and uh, reach their own potential. So by the time you're at that point as a leader, you're not only leading with confidence for yourself, but cultivating confidence in your teams and building teams with confidence, building divisions with confidence, building organisations with confidence. Um, and that's when you're enhancing and inspiring confidence in others. And to me, that's what leadership's about. So when you're at that point that you're cultivating confidence in teams and organisations, you're at your potential. Okay. And then you also uh, introduced the, the readers to this other one, which really resonated with me, which was the real confidence model, which I found was the real sort of starting point for the, for the book. So you're able to introduce at very high level because I do want to dig deep into the real confidence model. Yep. So four elements of the confidence model are show up, stand up, speak up and step up. And so the model in itself is all about building confidence from the inside out and some of the inner elements of building confidence. So the work we have to do from the inside out are, are the work that we need to show up with confidence so when we do that work, it means that by the time we walk into a room, we're almost halfway there in terms of having our confidence built um, and to be able to stand up, to stand up with, for and against elements in our leadership. So those two show up and stand up are often work that we do, inner work that we do to build confidence. And then speak up is about having a voice and having impact and having presence as a, as a leader. And then step up is about stepping up our leadership and our performance. And how did you how did you come to that model? Was that a was that a combination of, of all your your work? Was it something that sort of came to you one night in a vision? How did you come yeah, to that model? More like <laughs> came to me <laughs> one night in a vision, or one afternoon as I was writing the chapter, actually. And because for most of the models, it was an iterative process. I didn't have all of the models built before I started writing and then I just neatly wrote some words around them. Yeah. I was building the models as I was writing. And for, for that model, it actually came to me as I was writing that chapter. And I thought, I need to step back here. I need to think about what all this means. How does it hang together? And the elements came up and they were not elements that were unfamiliar to me. You know, I've been talking for years with clients about how do you show up as the best version of yourself? How do you understand what's core to you so you can stand up for what you believe in? How do you speak up and have a, a stronger voice, a more impactful voice? 
I'm very much a believer around what got us here in our career and our life and our leadership is not going to get us there. So the step up was a key component of that. Um, so actually, when I think about that particular model, I probably was um, a glass of wine in, uh, <laughs> quite relaxed, thinking about, well, what does this all mean? Yeah, it's amazing what wine does. It is. It is. Sometimes, sometimes <laughs> it helps us get that creative side out. Absolutely. So I do want to dig deep into each of the four because I think that there's some real value in our listeners because I, I like the way that uh, the book structured in that it, it gives people little snippets which they can hang on to and then start to work on. So the first one was that you, you talk about these three key things or three key skills that you need if you're going to learn to show up. So you're able to talk to talk the listeners through those. Yeah, so, so giving show up is about showing up as the best version of, of you, which gives us confidence. The very first place to start is around self-awareness. So having a very good sense of what does that mean? Who, When we're showing up as the best version of ourselves, what does that actually mean? What does it take? Um, so self-awareness, aware, awareness of our, um, of our self-talk, self-awareness meaning that you have good people around you to help give you feedback around how you're showing up, the impact on yourself, uh, the impact on others, sorry. Um, I've got a model in there, the three U's that I talk about. I'm going to explore those. Great, okay. Um, so self-awareness is absolutely an important starting point. Um, secondly, I talk about our strengths. So um, there's two elements to strength that I think about. It's knowing what our strengths are, so being really aware of our strengths, what gives us energy, and therefore who we are at our best. Uh, when we do that in a really authentic and, and genuine way, we're also really aware of what we're not so good at, so our weaknesses. So having that nice balance, so we're aware of what we're great at, what we're not so great at. The strength work is also about what does it take to be at our best in terms of um, other elements, so not just the, uh, the mental elements of strength but also the physical ones. So for me, I know when I am exercising, you know, walking Molly, my dog, um, doing the things that uh, I need to do to have the right level of energy, then I feel strong. So it's not just the strengths in terms of, you know, here are my strengths based on a strength profile, but also I feel strong when I'm doing the right thing and managing my energy well. So for show up, it's about being really clear on our strengths, what it takes to be strong and confident. Um, doing that in a very real and authentic way is one of the other elements and having great self-awareness around that. Great. And you also talk about, uh, you mentioned uh, Daniel Goleman, who uh, I suppose a lot of listeners will be familiar with, who have been through my programs because we always have an emotional intelligence piece. Did you find that body of work sort of useful to, to reflect on in terms of the self-awareness piece? Yeah, so I, I think um, emotional intelligence is, is so critical to our work of leadership. Um, it's, it, in, in lots of ways, it's almost more critical the EQ as, as the IQ, um, you know, and our, and our ability to know ourselves and our ability to connect with others. Um, so absolutely, I, I dip in and out of his work quite regularly. Yeah. I actually uh, in, 
being authentic in this, I, I couldn't get through his full book. <laughs> I had to take out the bits which, uh, which, which resonated with me because it was pretty heavy going. But uh, I think the message is, the message is right. Is understand yourself, understand those around you. Yeah, I, it's interesting. I seldom get through a full book, <laughs> a, a business book. Yeah. I love to read a novel, but for a business book, I always tend to dip in and out of them. Yeah. Um, and I find that you know you find the chapters that work for you, and uh, uh, and I, I guess that's how I came to writing more a how-to book mm. than anything, because there are heaps of great books out there, but they're not always easy to digest and therefore to say, what do I do about this and how do I take this great work and make it meaningful to me and my leadership? So you you mentioned the three U's. Yes. I'm particularly keen about these three U's. Are you able to uh, tell the listeners about the three U's? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I would start with the inner U and that's really having – a very good sense of what goes on for us in terms of our values and our beliefs. So what's core to us? Very often we don't spend the time getting that sense of a core, our values and, and our beliefs. And it very much drives the outer you. So those the values and beliefs we have in our in, in inner self drive the the actions that we take, the decisions that we make, the behaviours that other people see. So we have the inner, the outer that, that drives those uh, actions, behaviours and decisions. And often that's where we stop and we think those two nicely align, we've got some congruence between those two. But actually the, the third you is the perceived you. So how are we landing with others? How are others interpreting that behaviour? And there's loads of talk in the leadership space around authenticity, authentic leadership, But if we only think about our inner and our outer and we're not thinking about our perceived you, then we're not really going to that to the extent of understanding how we land, the impact that we have on other people. So the three U's are important for leadership. Yeah. I think that's an interesting point because I think one of the things we learn from emotional intelligence, it's about understanding the impact you're having on on others and how they're perceiving you. So I think thinking about your perception or the perception of you is really important because sometimes, and I think that's why 360s are so important, sometimes you think you might be doing something in a particular way and all of a sudden you get a bit of a slap in the face when someone says, well, that's not how I'm reading it. Absolutely. And uh, and, and often uh, we can get feedback that tells us that or we can think we're being authentic and we're leading in a way that says, you know, this is what I'm all about, I'm being authentic. But if it's not perceived that way, then that's your reality. Yeah. In uh, the stand-up, as we start talking about the stand-up section of your moral, you, you have this idea about for, with, or against. Now, I'm particularly interested in, uh, in, in this one. So, so what's the for, with, or against? I did lots of research and reading to understand and to think about, as leaders, what we typically stand up for. And I tried to simplify that by saying that typically when we're standing up, as leaders, we're standing up often for something, with something, or against something. And the four is generally might be we're standing up for something critical in our business, a project, it could be a piece of work, something we want to make progress on, something we might be sponsoring. So we're standing up for that. Um, and we need to have a voice and that needs to be a strong voice and we need to, to know how to exercise leadership around that. 
with for leaders is generally our teams. So when we're standing up with we're standing up with our teams, with our people, with others. So that's really um, a, a people piece that we stand up with. And against, very often we need to have a voice that might be a lone voice where we're standing up against something. That's why it's important to know what our values and what our core is all about because if something comes up against us or come, we come across something that we don't believe in, we need to be able to stand up against that. And so it's important to know what we stand for to be able to stand up against that. So for, with and against. And I think you, you make an interesting point there because one of the things we talk about in our programs is the need to make sure a leader's personal values are aligned to their organisational values or else there's going to be conflict. Mm. So I think being able to think about, you know, for, with or against just enables people to, again, take that moment to self-reflect and really make sure they're clear about what their values are and are they working in the right organisation and are those values shared? Absolutely. You also talk about this idea of how to stand strong. So, so you're giving people some, some gold here. So in, in the book, you talk about the three key things that people need to, to stand strong. So firstly, as you've just mentioned, it, it's understanding what our values are, what's really core to us in terms of our values. They don't tend to shift over time, but if we think about great leaders and not just leaders um, very publicly, but leaders that we've worked with, you can almost be certain that they have a very strong sense of who they are and what they stand for. And that comes down to what they value. So how do we stand strong? By tapping into that sense of, of what we value and what's core to us. It's amazing how often I come across leaders though that, and I ask them what their values are or what's most important to them, what's core to them, and they can't readily access that. So what I say is do the work. Do the work to understand that. Do the work to think about your life and pivotal times in your life and what that's meant for you and therefore what your values are. Moments that have been really challenging for you and um, at those challenging times, why was it challenging? What was it affecting in you and therefore that will often tell you something about a value of yours. So actually spend the time in reflection to understand your values are important. Your purpose is the second part of that. So I'm not talking about actually, you know, taking yourself away and working out your, your you know, most deepest why, but really what's your leadership purpose? Why are you here? What's your aim? Perhaps it might be just a two-year time frame, not your life's work, but really, you know, what's most important to you and your leadership and what difference you want to make. The third element is resilience. So we've got what, what understanding our values, understanding our purpose and our why, and then the third aspect of being able to stand strong is um, building our resilience. So very often when we stand up, whether we're standing up for, with or against something as leaders, uh, we can become a cropper. So we can come to times where we we find we're challenged, where we've um, come up against something that uh, makes us feel really challenged um, and therefore we need to draw on the resilience that we've built. I think as well as 
the resilience, if we've done the work to show up originally and have that confidence, the um, resilience will be easier for you. So the, this confidence work generally will mean that that's already helping you to build resilience. Um, but there's particularly a couple of um, aspects to resilience I love. I love Seligman's work around the three Ps. So when you're finding yourself really challenged to reframe and think about how personally you're taking this, how pervasive is it in your life and how permanent it is. So it's a really simple reframing exercise that I find works really well with leaders to help build resilience and get you through tough times. Are you finding in your work that there is a link between resilience and confidence? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So what I find is if your confidence is lower, then generally self-talk can be negative and that is not helpful in terms of resilience. The, uh, the average number of thoughts we have a day is about 65,000 and if they are negative, if we have a large percentage of that that's negative, we can spiral pretty easily. So I do absolutely find some linkages between confidence and resilience. So moving on to the, the speak up uh, section of the book, you, you talk about the idea that uh, leaders need to learn to speak up. And again, I love it because you've actually given them three things to focus on. So what are those three things they should be focusing on? Finding your voice, firstly, and I find that is, for me, the number one area of conversation that I have with leaders around confidence. Having a voice, being heard, particularly I find this is an issue where there's a, there's a power issue going on, so it might mean that you've stepped into a more senior leadership role for the first time, you're in more senior forums, but very often it's because there's some kind of power issue going on and often it's in your own mind. So being able to speak up and have a voice and have an appropriate um, voice at the table is really important. Secondly, I talk about presence and I smile as I say presence because so often I have clients say to me, I've been given feedback that I have to develop my executive presence. And I say, well, what does that mean to you? Tell me about what feedback you've had what do you think that means for you? And it's so nebulous. People can't really talk about that. So they've been given feedback that their presence is not at the right level to get them promoted or have them have the right level of impact in different forms, but they're very unsure about what presence means. And I think there's no overarching presence. It's about really how you're showing up and, um, and it's very different for different people. Uh, Authenticity is really important in that space in terms of presence. So saying, you know, there's a great leader over there, look at their presence, try to be more like that, is generally not sustainable and not going to work for people. And people see through that. Mm. Uh, so developing the leadership presence that's right for you uh, and aligned to the work that you're trying to do and what you're trying to achieve. Uh, and lastly, impact. And really, if we've got um, the right voice and presence, often impact will be a follow-on and, and you're having the right level of impact. Um, but it is absolutely a part of that. Okay. And so talking about this idea of uh, presence, when those leaders have had that feedback that uh, you, know, you don't have enough presence, how do you respond to that? 
how do I respond yeah, when, yeah. when I'm working with them? Yeah. Very often I get them to, to go back to the three U's and think about what is the, the impact that you're having with other people. What is the desired presence? So what, what are you trying to achieve? What impact do you want your leadership to have? And therefore, what does that mean in terms of your brand, in terms of um, the work that you're doing with others? If it's confidence related, which I talk about the, the linkage obviously to confidence, then how can you being more confident as a leader have a, have a more beneficial impact to the presence? that you bring, the, the impact that you have on others. And is, is, there, is there something, because presence always intrigues me a little, which is why I'm probably you know, going further in it, but is, is, there, is there something, a, a trait, a thing which you see that the people who do have presence that they have, is it an identifiable thing or is it this sort of mystical thing that we can't really put our finger on? Well, it's similar to confidence in itself, isn't it? Because sometimes uh, lots of conversations I had around confidence was for people that can tend to be this mystical thing. Um, And there's no one definition of confidence as there's no one definition of of presence. Um, And in fact, how I talk about confidence is not having uh, your actual ability to succeed at something, but it's a belief in your ability to succeed. And if you think about that, that has is the same for presence. So if we have a belief in our ability to succeed at something, our level of presence will be quite different versus if, if we're unsure or not confident or um, you know just not really showing up as the, the best version of ourselves, then our presence is going to be really different. But if we have a belief in our ability to succeed at what we're doing and uh, uh, in a sense of confidence, then that presence will really be um, will be quite different. I, um, I, I talk a little bit about this hashtag own it in the book and um, tell a story about when I went with a couple of colleagues to the US and we were um, had decided that we would want to make our way through the first class lounges rather than business class lounges. And uh, as, we're, as we're fronting into that, we just... One of my colleagues said, hashtag own it, ladies, and, uh, and off we go with a sense of uh, that we deserve to be here and uh, a different level of presence. And, and mostly, apart from one time, that, that <laughs> opened the right doors for us. So, you know, sometimes have some fun with it and, and hashtag own it and uh, step into that presence. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because I think one of the things I've noticed with the leaders that I work with is that quite often they don't think they necessarily have what it takes to get to the next level. They look at someone in the organisation they work in and say, oh, you know, that person, I like that job. But someone once said to me something which really stuck with me, which was you don't actually do any more work when you're higher up. You just do different work. And it really gets to that idea of confidence that you can do that different work and, and step up and be the best leader you can be. Mm, because often we think of the work as our head down, bum up, doing the work, and we have our leaders up on a pedestal and, you know, we're all human beings and we're all just humans doing doing work. Uh, I, I think for me what I notice is we have to have a core belief that leadership is real work because as we're stepping up into more and more senior leadership roles, as you say, the work is different and the work becomes more around exercising leadership 
than managing work. And as that balance starts to shift, it can feel awkward for some leaders because it just doesn't feel like they're doing real work. But once we have a sense of leadership is real work and you start to build your confidence around this, the work of leadership, then you know, we, we can just, it, it opens the way for us to step up. Mm. Which is, you know, to, beautiful segue there into, into my next question, which is uh, you, you, you give your readers three elements to stepping up. Uh, are you able to share those three elements? Yeah, and the first is our mindset. So exactly what I've just said. When we see leadership as real work, um, when we have that sense of what got us here isn't necessarily going to be what gets us there, obviously all of our work um, that's made us who we are and, and has made us successful, we don't want to lose that. But we always have to be thinking, what else do I need in terms of capability, in terms of all of the things that we've talked about that will help me to be successful at this next level or, or whatever it is that we're stepping up into. So our mindset's really important to start with, that we um, can step that up. Um, in, uh, also in our mindset is our self-talk, which I've already spoken about, but having that really good sense of self-talk and being able to reframe when we need to to positive. Uh, the second is thinking about our brand, our personal brand, our leadership brand, because what, what brought us to this point in terms of leadership as we step up, we need to think about what is the leadership brand we need for us to be successful over the coming years. And very often either we don't think about our leadership brand at all or we think about it in today's sense. So the work that I do with clients is to say, what does the next, say, three to five years look like for your leadership, for your career, and what brand do you need to be developing for yourself that's future-looking, that's aspirational, that's a step and a stretch forward that's going to help you to step into that career? So working on your brand and building sponsorship. So we can't do this work alone. We need great sponsors to help us to succeed in our careers. So having great people around us to sponsor us and our success is really important. I want to, I wanna, again, dig into something you said about um, personal branding for leaders because it's, it's one of the, the things which I have noticed many leaders don't necessarily want to explore or don't necessarily know how to explore or don't necessarily see the importance of exploring it. So what sort of challenges have you come across when you said to a leader, oh, well, what does your personal brand look like for the next five years or so? Well, I, I love the work of branding because I think you look at any great leader and they're completely clear. They've got clear, strong brands. Um, so I think the biggest challenge is people don't do the work. Don't do the work. They, they don't think about themselves having a brand enough and we have a brand the minute we walk into a room. Mm. I run a leadership program and it can be a one-day program. At the end of the day, I'm getting people to give feedback to each other on their brand around how they've shown up. And often people are horrified going, but they don't know me. But you've just spent a day with someone. People have a read on, uh, on your brand and what you're about. So I simplify it by saying think about what brand you want for yourself that's aligned to a career and success for you. Check in on what your current brand is and then take action to close the gap. 
And you, following on from the, the, the what you just mentioned before about the building sponsorships, I'm, I'm, I'm keen to know more about sponsorships. So how do people go around finding the right sponsors? Yeah, and sponsors, it's probably important to just quickly clarify what I mean by sponsors. They're advocates, they're people that will be active for you in opening doors and giving you access to roles, opportunities, work that you might not necessarily have access to yourself. It is different for mentoring. So people often will get them confused or think of their leader being able to play all roles for them, leader, mentor, sponsor, and often that's the case, but I think it's too limiting. So sponsors are people, and they're often uh, might be in more senior roles or in different parts of the organisation that know you well, that have a good sense of what you can achieve or deliver, what you're about, and can open doors for you. And I think it is important to have both sponsors inside an organisation as well as outside your organisation. You caught my attention to start at Chapter 6, and the title of Chapter 6 is Deal With Your Enemies. <laughs> well, and, and, and to be clear, it's about the enemies of confidence. Uh, so you're able to share with everyone a little bit about the enemies of confidence. Yeah, everyone has their own enemies of confidence, but what I tried to do is theme it up because I see uh, five enemies show up quite consistently. And for all of us, we have confidence that waxes and wanes over time. Uh, but my hope is in doing the work and uh, looking at some of the elements of this book that people can take their confidence that might feel like a roller coaster ride to them to more a gentle, you know, up and down over time because that you know we all have times that that our confidence is impacted. The five areas that I see um, most often are the enemies of our confidence are perfectionism. So very much when if you have perfectionistic streaks. Um, you can you know, really hold yourself back and it impacts our confidence a lot. And often there's a lot of self negative self-talk going on there with perfectionism. Secondly, comparison. I say comparison is the enemy because when we're comparing ourselves to others, we compare someone else's shiny, glossy outside um, with our often very lacking inside and the self-talk that we have going on. So stop comparing ourselves with others the best comparison we can do is to our own best. So, you know, set up what a personal best looks like for you in your leadership, in your work, um, in your life, and um, and track how you're going against that. Fear is very much, it shows up, fear of loads of different things, but um, being really conscious of limiting decisions that you make and thinking about what is the fear that might sit behind that and being able to work through that um, is really important. Overthinking, uh, we do it a lot and uh, as I said, 65,000 thoughts a day when we overthink something, there's a loads of uh, room for movement there. Uh, so again, really having that self-awareness around what's going on for us. Um, I love the simple uh, gratitude exercise. So at the end of the day, thinking of three things that we're grateful for. If you want to turn that into a professional exercise, you can do it with your team or you can just do it for yourself on your commute home from work, thinking about what are three things that went really well today? What are three things that I contributed to really positively today? Um, and really starting to turn that thinking to um, a, a much more balance of positive thoughts. And the last one is overlooking. And what I mean by overlooking, it's overlooking role models. 
So um, Madeleine Albright said, you can't be what you can't see. And if we don't have positive role models around us, it's very hard to see what good looks like um, and therefore build confidence that we can also do that. So having great role models around us is important for our confidence. As we get um, close to the end, you, you, you speak about this idea of how people can sustain their confidence. Any tips for the, for the listeners in how they can sustain it? So very often confidence is, the work that we do on confidence is a behavioural change for us. So we know that behavioural change is not that easy. So the work that I have in the book around sustaining confidence is looking at um, a model that was developed by Lisa Lay and Bob Keegan out of Harvard that is called Immunity to Change. And it's looking at what are some of the core elements that hold us back from behavioural change. So if I'm saying to clients, one way for them to build confidence is to learn how to speak up more. Speaking up more in meetings is actually a behaviour that they need to change. And if it was that easy to do, you'd just start doing it. Um, And we know sometimes behavioural change is hard. And so understanding what is in our immune system that actually stops us from making that behavioural change is important. So peeling back some of the layers, um, I think of it like an onion and, and peel those layers back to understand what's stopping us from making this change and therefore um, understanding that, creating awareness around that and doing the work to be able to sustainably make that change stick in the future. I'm going to do a shameless plug on your behalf. Uh, so number one, I think everyone should should go and buy the book. And one of the reasons that I am doing that is I really like the fact that you have built in a, a quick little self-assessment tool which people can uh, go through to look at uh, or assess their confidence. Why did you decide to include a little assessment tool for the readers? I think, um, well, uh, I was saying to you earlier that I never read a business book cover to cover and I wanted to help the readers to say, you know what, if I don't have time to read this book cover to cover and I want to get a sense of where do I start, then that could be the first place to go. Go straight to the end of the book and um, do a little self-assessment and that'll point you in the right direction. So you can use the book in lots of different ways, but if you really need to um, need a short burst of confidence tips and you want to know where to go, then the assessment of your confidence helps you to go straight to the heart of the matter. Great. Any last words on confidence or leadership in general that you'd like to share with the listeners? A couple of things that I would just say, uh, confidence is not something that the lucky few are born with. And and so confidence is a learnable skill. And that's what I find most empowering about this space. It's not something that you have and, and I don't or I have and you don't. It is actually something we can learn. So we've just got to do the work. And if I could say one thing from all of the interviews that I deal with leaders and executives in preparing to write this book. When they were stuck, when they felt that their confidence was lower, when they weren't sure of a way forward, they would ask themselves the question, what's the worst that could happen? And that got them unstuck. So if you want one simple thing to help you to reframe and move forward and build some confidence, ask yourself, what's the worst that can happen? Well, on that note, uh, thank you so much, Michelle, for for joining the podcast. Uh, Really appreciate it. All the best. Thanks, Julian. 
Well, that wraps up another episode of the Synergy Leadership Podcast. I trust you found it interesting. A couple of things. If you could go online and leave a review of the podcast, that would be great. Really help us in uh, spreading awareness of the podcast. Happy for you to connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm pretty easy to find. And if you want to shoot me through an email, julian at synergygroup.com.au. See you next time.